0: with the sling sick destined for pain do for thefam not for the grand stunt you destined for pain pain I do not scam put some respect on my name sick like a pain a y'all remember the name y remember the name
1: what's up ladies and gentlemen boys and girls around the world I would like to welcome you back to the real talk with zubi podcast now on today's episode we have got on a former Republican Congress candidate and uh, she is also the founder of Red Renaissance. And of course, this is Kimberly Klesik. Welcome to the show. How you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: No doubt. I've been I've been looking forward to this for a while. So I've done um a very brief intro right there. But for people who may not be familiar with who you are, tell them a little bit about you.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I ran for Congress this last time around in Maryland's congressional district number seven. Um, I took on the head or the former head of the NAACP, uh, and he was also the former congressman 30 years ago in that district. So uh, we went up against the Democrat machine. It was a plus 30 district we, or plus 30 D district, so we knew it was going to be hard. Uh, but we thought, you know what, at some point in time, you got to start chipping away. Uh, we came out with a campaign ad that luckily went viral, something mm-hmm. definitely, you know, you can't plan to go viral. We got lucky there. Um, And it caught the attention of the president of the United States at the time, President Trump. Um, And then, you know, with that, we were able to speak at the RNC convention. Um, You know, we raised a lot of money because of the ad, because President Trump talked about it. Uh, Again, we didn't we weren't successful in our bid, uh, but we did pretty well. You know, we chipped away at it. We went Mm -hmm. from 3000 votes that are usually uh, collected by a Republican in Baltimore City to over 13000 um, so we feel that, you know what? this is something that we should be doing across the country. Um, the Republicans, uh, you know, they neglect or ignore, I guess you could say uh, urban areas, and they've been doing it a long time. Yeah. And anyone that saw the Senate Georgia runoff races, you would see that uh, Georgia was won because of the predominantly black areas like the city of Atlanta. And mm-hmm. so if Republicans want to continue to win seats, They're going to have to realize that, you know what, you've got to engage the Black community, whether they want to or not. So, you know, that's why I started Red Renaissance. We're going to have that roll out next month. Uh, But we'll be recruiting candidates in urban areas. It doesn't matter what color they are, you know, just some people that have hopefully grown up there, that love their cities, and that want to make a difference and a change. And of course, have conservative values. So, Mm. you know, that's what we're going to be doing, like I said, starting next month. And hopefully, we'll flip the house in 2022
1: yeah uh out of curiosity when you say a plus 30 d district what does that what does that actually mean as a as an englishman that doesn't mean anything to me so what does that yeah
2: mean? <laughs> so let's see for republicans uh versus democrats i guess you could say uh for every 30 democrats there's one republican
1: <laughs> oh right <laughs> okay know? okay
2: so it's, yeah it's it's to win is just a ridiculous insane idea And I was Mm. even told when we started to run in this race, uh, they said, Jesus Christ couldn't win this race as a Republican. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So why would you try such a thing? I don't know. But, you know, I guess for me, my philosophy is if we don't try, we're never going to win. And so Mm. uh, at some point in time, you've got to try it, not just say, hey, you know what? I give up over there. We know we're not going to engage them. That's that's not the way to go, you know, especially if you want to, you know, continue with the conservative movement, you know, at some point in time, these blue districts are going to take over the red districts and we won't have any conservative districts left, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we've got to start saying, look, we got to do more. As we saw in Georgia, Stacey Abrams, whether people want to admit it or not, she registered over 800,000 voters uh, after the two years that she lost her gubernatorial race. And that is why Georgia went blue, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we've mm-hmm. got to do the same.
1: No doubt. Um, Why do you think it is that pretty much every major city in the US is blue? Do you think that's just, um, I mean, I know on a global level, most large cities do tend to be sort of more liberal leaning, even here in the UK. Of course, if you look at somewhere like London, and I know it's the same in lots of other countries, but in the US specifically, why do you think it is that the Democrats have such a stranglehold? on literally every big city. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't even know what the largest Republican city is, um, but it seems <laughs> like they're they're all Democrat and they have been for many, many years. So in your opinion, why do you think that is?
2: Yeah, so Republican city, I guess in the US would be San Diego is under a Republican mayor okay. right now. Okay. Uh, and they're doing pretty well, uh, as we mm. you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so I think it's because Democrats have always... Um, put themselves out there as the party that's for social good, right? They're the party that's for the poor. They're the party that's for civil rights. They're the party that's for the black community. That's, that's kind of what they do each and every election cycle. Um, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it's just not true. You know, I myself am a Republican. Like you said earlier, you know, let people know who you are. Uh, for the past eight years, I ran a nonprofit uh, doing workforce development in Baltimore City. And so we've helped over 200 women become gainfully employed. Over 30 percent went on to be financially independent. And we did that without any grants, uh, any help or anything from the city. Uh, It was just something that we focused on and and got done because we knew people needed jobs. And so for us, it's kind of like as Republicans, I guess we don't talk about a lot, you know, the good that we do do uh, in the communities. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk a lot about, you know, how we are for things being equal and fair. And so um, I even say all the time, you know, Republicans do a poor job at letting uh, the gay community know that they're welcomed in our party. Um, mm-hmm. You never see a lot of Republicans talking about, you know, we love the trans community. We love the gay, lesbian, you know, queer community. Mm-hmm. You never hear that. And a lot of that is because we don't play identity politics. You know, that's sure. just not our thing. Sure. Um, but, you know, they take it as not being welcomed whereas Democrats mm-hmm. talk about them all the time uh yeah. so I think that's what it is you know you, you see these major cities that have all these different communities and Democrats are so good at playing identity politics mm-hmm. where I think that's why they always veer towards them
1: yeah yeah it's something I, I've thought for many many years and I think this goes beyond the us but I think in the u.s especially you know I think the Republicans have more substance but the <laughs> Democrats have better branding right yeah. like the the branding That's is just the you, the you know that whether whether or not it's reality the notion that they're the party for black people or they're the party for women or for minorities or whatever like i, I don't believe it right i mean I'm, I'm an outsider it doesn't really matter like to me yeah. directly but based on what i see especially given that some of these areas have been run by democrats for decades decades and decades and decades and it's like i'm very much a Actions speak louder than words, guy. So it's like, okay, yeah, you can play all the lip service. It's not hard for a politician to go out there and say, oh, yeah, like, you know, talk to this community and that community and this minority and that minority and whatever. But I'm like, okay, but what are you doing? What have you done? Right? You've had 20 years. You've had 30 years in this area. And I'm not seeing a lot of tangible things. But it seems like, you know, that's how I view things. I guess it's how you view things. But it does seem like a lot of people do really care about the branding and the sort of feeling and the optics and that kind of stuff. So, how do you think that Republicans in general can improve that, shall we say, branding without playing the same identity politics game and, you know, making it clear that, yo, this message is for everybody, but without doing that thing of okay speaking to this these people and these people and these people and splitting everybody up in that same way do you think that how can that be done is it possible
2: that's a great question you know Mm -hmm. um here in the states we call it pandering you know uh, that's that's what they do Mm -hmm. um but i i think now we're at a point where it's gone so far that we might have to, you know, dive into the identity politics just a little bit to kind of regain control and pull it back um, and letting people know, look, you know, just because you are trans, just because you are black, just because you are Hispanic, that, you know, if we want to treat you all equally as we do, then, you know, just understand you're all part of, you know, the United States. You're all constituents, you're all residents. Um, Not everyone's American citizen. You know, hopefully they're on a pathway to citizenship. But, you know, you're all part of this country and we all want to work together. Um, but, you know, this has been going on for decades of this pandering. And so people have really broken themselves off to groups. As you know, there's a, a, a rainbow flag uh, for the gay community. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone looks at the American flag as part of the conservative movement. Right. Yeah, it's really all these even different flags like, you know, here's my land, here's your land. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but we, we don't get, we don't get together enough. And say, look, you know, this is, we're all in the same boat here. You know, we're all riding it out. Um, And so how we pull it back, I don't know. I had this conversation with my manager just the other day. You know, for me and my race, uh, what we said to the donors is not the same message we could give the voters. Mm -hmm. But I'm the kind of person where I didn't switch it up. You know, like, this is what I'm saying. Here is my message. I'm not a politician. This is exactly what I plan to do. Whereas the voters wanted me to be more emotional right? The voters wanted me to distance myself from President Trump because they didn't like Mm -hmm. the way he spoke. And I'm like, well, President Trump is the only guy that is presenting a plan for the inner cities. And and we see that even today, Joe Biden, you know, they have yet to to present a plan for any of the inner cities and and Baltimore needs a plan. Uh, They announced this morning, I I retweeted it uh, on my Twitter feed, 15,000 vacant homes now in Baltimore City. So, Mm. you know, the vacancies are going up. You know, we're having less and less job opportunities. People are leaving the city. The schools are getting worse. There's no plan in Baltimore. You know, there's no hope inside. Our our homicide rate is is through the roof, you know, shootings, everything. And so for me, I ran on, look, guys, where we're going right now, (laughs) we're not going to survive on this route 10 years from now. And for some reason, uh, you know, they wanted me to really be like, hey, guys, you know, very emotional, Mm -hmm. you know, kick gloves. Hey guys, this is what we need, and da da da. You know what I mean? They didn't want someone I think that's stern. Whereas yeah. donors, and we raised over eight point four million dollars. Donors want someone to say, "Look, we're bringing manufacturing back. We're using the port. We're going to do it this way." Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, I had you know the same message for both. And I guess I should have broke it up and been mm-hmm. a little bit more persuasive um, and kinder in my mm-hmm. message to the mm-hmm. voters.
1: Yeah, I think it's hard because I think politics is an ongoing battle of like, stuff that does good versus stuff that feels good. And sometimes those things can be aligned. But oftentimes, you know, people are a lot of people are very emotionally sensitive. I'm not that kind of person. So sometimes even when I say things, people, people take it the wrong way, or they think I'm attacking someone when I'm not. And I'm like, No, I'm just very, I'm very much a straight talker. And I care about what does good rather than what feels good, and I think it's really interesting i mean i saw I remember when you put out that that campaign ad um which you know struck really struck a chord um I know a lot of people like the you cool like you know she's she's there you know she's looking good, she's got you know and then she's you know showing the the juxtaposition you know actually showing parts of the city and stuff like that but I also saw saw some of the negative feedback right even some of the negative feedback from black Americans right. And yeah. I was re- I'm reading through it, and some of it is some of the things, you know, that gets said about me, but I'm reading things, you know, people saying like, oh, this is an attack on Black Americans. This is an attack on Black community. This is an attack on the city of Baltimore. So people take every, some people take every criticism or every pointing out of something that could be improved as, as an attack. And I don't know, it's, it's difficult to know how to kind of get through to people like that because everyone has their different ways of communication and I, I when i watch that i don't think oh this is an attack i think this is oh this is someone who's being honest and highlighting some of the issues which everybody knows exists whether or not you want to admit it people know these issues exist and rather than just trying to bury it and act like yep everything is fine you're you're just showing it you know um so yeah i, don't, I mean i don't even really know what the what the question is there but how, how do you kind of, I don't know, how do you, how do you reach people when they see everything as an attack on their identity or their city and things like that? How do you, how do you bring those messages together of, I don't know, maybe doing good and feeling good? It's I think yeah. it's a challenge. Yeah.
2: It's definitely a challenge. I, I mean, you know, I, of course I didn't look at it as an attack. Like of you course, said, I was yeah. pointing out the facts. I mm. said, yeah, look, Baltimore has 20% poverty rate. Baltimore has 10 times the national average as far as the murder rate. You know, mm. it was all facts. So n- none of it was attacking it. Um, but for me, I-, I look at those individuals and I say, look, if you don't like how your city is represented by the facts, mm. then why not roll your sleeves up and figure out how to change it? Mm. You know, don't just, like you said, kind of sweep it under the rug and act like it's not happening, because it's definitely happening. Um, and then a lot of the feedback I got, they said, oh, you know, now people think Baltimore City is, you know, looks crazy. And, and we mm. got this, and we got that. I'm like, a lot of people saw the wire, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people already knew what Baltimore looked like. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is no secret, right? And then we had the riots back in 2015. Senator Bernie Sanders came to town and said, wow, this looks like a third-world country. But unfortunately, you know, he just then, once the care was left, he turned around, went back to D.C., and nobody still did anything. And so Mm -hmm. that was my problem. My issue was like, wow, people know that there are issues here, but nobody wants to present a solution, right? And this is a predominantly Black city. I look at that as racism. Mm -hmm. I look at that as racism. You come to town, you see how bad it is, and you don't even offer to help and and offer any solutions whatsoever. At that time, Congressman Cummings was in office, a mm-hmm. black man himself, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then did nothing. Right. He was there for 30 years. For 30 years, he allowed it to get that way. Yeah. Um, and we've been under Democrat control for over 50 years. Uh, mm-hmm. So so many, many decades. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I got attacked about it. People wanted solutions. My second video came out. Uh, we offered solutions in that video. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, we only did about six million views. <laughs> right, the first video that everybody hated about thirty million views. Yeah. We actually presented solutions and what I was going to do, the plan. Only six million mm-hmm. views. So you know that's kind of how social media works, yeah. right? Everybody, <laughs> everybody likes the bad stuff. That's what yeah. gets the yeah. ratings. Uh, but you know, my opponent, he never presented any solutions to any problems, mm-hmm. and they still said, "I'm going to vote for him." And yeah. so for me it's kind of like wow, do you even want a solution? Do you even want a change? Um, yeah. you know, some people did. 93,000 people voted for us. Uh and that's why I'm not going to give up.
1: No doubt. We know this. And so one, I have a massive respect for you know, like for for going for it. I think with some in some of these cities, I mean there's a lot of cities in the US where Any Republican or independent candidate, like, really, it's such an it's such an uphill battle. It's such an uphill battle. But if people give up before they even try, then, you know, stuff is never stuff is never going to change. That 50 years will end up becoming 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, 100 years. And, you know, nothing will nothing will ever change. But coming back to what we were saying before about the branding and the messaging, I think it's, you know, working out how over time people can kind of chip away at that cuz i think look wh- whether the government is republican or is democrat i think ultimately people want people want to live in a safe in a safe community people want don't want crime rates going up people do want job opportunities people don't want like masses of vacant housing or homeless people or drug problems all of that you know regardless of what side of the aisle someone is on we may disagree on how best to resolve it But I'm not seeing people out there saying, "Okay, we want these things to we want bad things to go up. Um, So I want to run it back a little bit. How did you even how did you even get involved in politics?
2: Yeah, so uh, crazy story here. Um, Like I said, I was, you know, working with my nonprofit uh, and I noticed as I was getting a lot of the women employed and sending them to different. uh, We have job training programs within the cities, Mm -hmm. uh, so they would help with their resumes, all this good stuff. Uh, But I noticed that there were a lot of obstacles uh, despite trying to get someone employed for free. Um, Mm. I'll never forget the day that I got a call from um, the mayor's office. It was about 2014. They knew that we had a bunch of clothes on hand. Uh, One of their career centers at Madama Mall, which was actually featured during the Freddie Gray riots. That was the mall that everybody went in and looted. Uh, The career center there called us and said, look, we have a backlog of women that need clothes for interviews. Can you help us? And I said, absolutely, I can help you, right? So we posted it on Facebook. Hey, we need a bunch of volunteers ASAP because we got to get these people dressed. They have interviews coming up and we don't want to miss the mark. The very next morning, I got another call from the mayor's office in City Hall. And they said, you need to take down that post. It looks like that we're partners with you. We're not partners with you. And and at this time, everyone knew I was a Republican, right? I've been a Republican at that point uh, Mm -hmm. for over five years. Uh, And so I said, wait, You want to take down a post asking people to help for free, to get people dressed for job interviews? Mm -hmm. And you guys called me, (laughs) right? (laughs) And then the guy's like, well, no, that was a different office. I don't know why they called you, blah, 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 blah. But we could still use your clothing if you could send it over. I said, this has got to be a joke, right? Yeah. Uh, So I hung up the phone. I took down the post. I then put up a post explaining what just happened. Uh, fast forward, you know, that mayor was indicted for pay to play. That was mayor Pugh. That was Mm. her administration. That was her office that called me. The guy that called me to take down the post was also indicted and their job training program was raided by the FBI. I'm like, well, that's the Gary I know. (laughs) So it's like, I knew that there were obstacles and that's why it made me keep getting involved. Like, wow, what else is going on? Why Mm. don't they want people to get employed? Right. We're helping them for free. Um, And so, yeah, I started really combing into things. Uh, We have something called the Youth Fund, twenty five million dollars. That money, I think twelve million of it hit the streets. The other millions are missing still to this day or they're just not using them. But there's a lot of youth programs that could use that funding. Um, So right now they're kind of using it as a slush fund. Uh, They they took six million of it. And uh, distributed it in in $400 gift cards. You know, once you put it in gift cards, you can't follow it, right? The accountability is lost. Uh, And we had another mayor that was indicted for stealing gift cards um, a couple years ago also. Her name was Stuart Dixon. It was like the same corruption over and over again. Um, And so that's why I got involved. Um, I originally started uh, volunteering on Capitol Hill. I thought, you know what? I would love to see how this thing works. You know, I don't want to get paid for it. You know, this is me learning. So it's like on the job training kind of deal. Um, And this is when uh, the Benghazi committee hearings were going on. I don't know if you remember that, where Hillary Clinton was on trial. Congressman Trey Gowdy was at the head of it. Um, And I was at that time writing for a blog called Politichicks. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to contribute to this blog site, I'm here in D.C., I'm here at the Capitol. I'm going to go get a great interview. Right. I just, you know, that's me. I'm like, I'm going to take the initiative. So I use my volunteer badge, which you could also use as a staffer badge, and I just walked down. <laughs> I'm walking through the building like I like I should be there, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I walk right in Trey Gowdy's office and I say, "Look, you know, I would love to interview Congressman Trey Gowdy." They were like, "Who the heck are you?" All right, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, I, "I'm Kim Klayzik, you know, with Politichicks." And at that time, it just so happened Trey Gowdy was coming out of his office, and he said, "Look, I got time," mm. and we sat down, had the interview. Uh, because of that interview, One American News was like, wow, how'd you get in touch with Trey Gowdy? And I was like, I just walked in, you know. <laughs> and so they took it. They had me on for interviews. I went to the Roland Martin show, uh, Fox News. And, and that's kind of like where all this started. Mm-hmm. Um, I, myself, am a college dropout. Uh, college just was not for me. Um, I wanted to go straight to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with my nonprofit potential, me, ended up being an employer, right? I had people on the payroll, I know what it's like when you're almost like, am I going to make payroll this week? I don't know. You know, you got all these people depending on you. Mm. Um, And I think when you're in political or in office in general, uh, it's kind of like running a business. And sometimes I see some of these elected officials like our mayor right now in Baltimore City. He's never had a real job. You know, our restaurants are still closed. The city will probably end up going bankrupt, (sighs) but he doesn't get it, you know? Um, So, yeah, that's why I got involved in politics. And that's how. Uh, I really just walked through the door and said, "Hi, I'm Kim."
1: Yeah, that's cool. Have you always been? Um, have you always been someone who's more conservative leaning, or are you someone who sort of shifted politically over time?
2: No, pretty conservative. Uh, my mm-hmm. dad, he was he was conservative. Um, okay. you know, he was a registered Democrat. He usually voted Democrat,
0: mm-hmm. but he
2: voted usually for the person rather than the party. And yes. so I kind of learned that from him uh, when I first started going on TV and, and doing media he would watch, even if it was like at midnight, you know, shows, mm-hmm. those obscure shows, wherever you can get in, uh, he would watch and he would then call me right after and says, okay, so this is what I heard you say. You know, you could have got back on this debate and you could have oh, put gosh. me in. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I, I didn't I go to school ones. for any of this. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. my dad was kind of walking me through it. Um, and I, I, you know, appreciate him every single day for, uh, yeah. for doing that. He unfortunately passed away, uh, back in 2019, but, you know, he was my number one fan. And, yeah. you know, what I think when you have somebody in your life that really is like a mentor to you, that really explains things to you. You know, he worked, he grew up in foster care. Uh, he ended up going to college. Um, you know, not many people in his family did. He went mm-hmm. to college. He ended up going on to be an executive at IBM. So he went from foster care to an executive at IBM. And, and he mm-hmm. said, you know what, Kim? It's because I never played the victim. He said, mm-hmm. I could have done that. I could have taken that route because many of my friends did, but I said, you know what? I know working hard in this country will get me where I want to go. And so I learned a lot of it from my dad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, it's, that's so, you know, what he said there, that's just so true. It's so real. You know, we, we just live in this time and it's, It's bizarre to see, especially when it's the USA. Like, look, I know every country has its problems. I know the USA does have some major problems and there is a lot of disparity and there are certain areas which don't really look so much like a a first world country, right? Or don't look like the richest most country with the most opportunity in the world. I'm I'm aware that that exists. But at the same time, on a global level and on a historic level, I, I don't think that you know i really don't think like certainly a lot i don't think maybe even most americans realize just how much better off they are than almost anybody to ever walk the planet even if even if in the american society you're not starting out in a great place the opportunities and the potential for upward mobility compared to people who are born in so many other parts of the world are yeah. are just incredible and there and there are millions and millions of people who have risen whether they came over as immigrants and started from nothing and then built themselves up to success or they were born in the USA and you know they started out I don't know in the projects or started out in a trailer park and then they built themselves up to success and there there are countries there are places where that is there are places where unless you can get out of the nation that's virtually impossible like you're you're just stuck at whatever Class you were born at, you're you're kind of just stuck there unless you get like some really massive luck or some big opportunity comes your way. And I, I think it's a shame that so many people, um, in the modern West don't don't fully appreciate and understand that. And this is not saying, like I said, it's not saying that there are no problems. Far from it. But I just think when you have that level of that perspective, then people realize, oh, okay, actually. Sure, it's not perfect, but compared to all these other billions of people, it's still pretty darn good. And if I work hard and I take personal responsibility and I make good decisions, I can rise from this station, you know? And I think that's such an important message that gets lost.
2: Oh, it gets lost every single day, man. It is a blessing to be here in the US. Um, You know, but what's interesting, and I don't know if it was you that tweeted this out, uh, it might have been you. Uh, and somebody said, look, hey, America, there's other countries out here.
1: Sounds like me. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> that was me.
2: That, that's the thing. Here in America, we hardly hear about other countries and what's going on. You yeah. have to do your due diligence. To really find out what's going on in other countries and how others are living. Uh, yeah. right now, even on the news, there's like this thing that's like 60 seconds around the world is what they say. So they literally cover the rest of the world <laughs> in
0: 60, 60 seconds.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's hilarious to me. Yeah. But you know, but that's what people are seeing. And so we have a lot of individuals that just rely on the media for information. And so they have no idea, you know, they're just being fed all the time. You know, America's racist. Here's what's going on in America today. Mm-hmm. But they're never seeing what else is going on in the world. And so, you know what? Maybe there's an opening there. Maybe we need to really push <laughs> uh, for more people to talk about what's going on in other countries. So Americans know how mm-hmm. lucky they are to be here. You know, mm-hmm. all the time I hear this is the same old story. You know, black people are attacked by the police because they are just black. Uh I, unfortunately, do not believe this, okay? Uh (laughs) They Uh they hate me for it. But I say, look, I have many, many immigrant friends from Africa. Uh By all appearances, they are black. They are lawyers. They are doctors. They are judges. They are doing their thing. They come Uh here, they value education, and they make it. And you know what? Whenever we see a hashtag, you know, name, you never see a hashtag African name, Uh right? That we're saying, oh, you know, police, we need justice, da-da-da. I'm not saying these aren't cases aren't, don't happen yeah. but there's never a hashtag an african name uh-huh. because it's all about the culture you know what we value you know whenever you hear the story when you further investigate it you know there was a crime being committed right uh-huh. it's it's totally different and, and i don't think people really understand it it's it's yeah. some of our our problems are cultural
1: yes yes african oh, oh.
2: immigrants come here they value education they value their family structure they keep themselves out of trouble and they go on to do great things. I think okay. Nigerians right now, as far as wealth and education, are number one here in America.
1: We're, uh, repp- we're repping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're yeah, number
2: <laughs> one here in America.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, and, and they are by all appearances black like myself. Of
1: course. Of course. It's so. it's really it's really interesting. Like a couple things you said there. Another one was that you mentioned um, the whole situation with police and police brutality. I mean, I don't know if you saw last year where they had the hashtag #nsars trending. And that was, uh, that was quite a big global trend. And that was about um, the police brutality in Nigeria. Right. So my right, family right, is, yeah. my family is originally from Nigeria. Right. And it's really interesting because again, in the Western world, especially in the U S the whole police brutality or police killing problem is it's always framed as a racial issue. Right. And it's really yeah. interesting because again, being someone who's originally from Nigeria and Is seeing what's going on over there it's like whoa this is like a big police brutality issue going on but this is in a country that's like 99 black right the police officers are black the people they're brutalizing are black right it's and and there are so many things in the usa that get framed as racial issues when race race is not the main point but the narrative is always black and white race 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 whereas that's not you know some there are situations where that's a factor but i'm like yo like look in other again if you look at other countries you see oh okay this is like certain some of these police officers are on a power trip and are out of control problem okay. this is not you know this is we're seeing black people brutalizing black people right so this is right. not so so again i think it's it's interesting how again with the wider perspective you can see you can also just see how people get manipulated Right. How people get sort of divided along certain lines. And I mean, I often say uh, in Nigeria, there are so in Nigeria, there's lots of different tribes and ethnic groups. Right. And some of the this isn't just Nigeria, but with lots of African countries and Asian countries and parts of the Middle East, et cetera, the the hostility and division and barriers between ethnic groups, which to an outsider the people look like they could be brother and sister, right? Like you can't, right? (laughs) If you go to Nigeria, you'll struggle to see the difference between, you know, like a Yoruba person, uh, an an Igbo person, uh, someone from Delta, et cetera. But within, so the, how would I put it? The animosity between two members of two different ethnicities within the same country in parts of Africa is much greater than any animosity or hostility, say between black and white Americans. Mm-hmm. you see what i mean so it's like yeah. human beings are are tribal like the you know tribalism can be a problem but i just think it's fascinating how in the west it's always framed along like a racial line whereas in lots of other places you realize oh actually this is not is not about it's not about skin color cuz everyone's looking the same here um this yeah. is about you know eth- ethnicity or it's just about silly tribalism or it's about some ancient sort of thing that's just carried over into the modern day and stuff like that. And I think, again, I think if people could get over, could see that perspective, then they'd realize, oh, actually, we're kind of being played here, right? (laughs) Like, we're, we're, we're yeah, we're kind of being played and being made to think that this is not, this is something that it's not really, right? So people are there obsessing over black versus white, white versus black, whatever. And it's like, no, that's the media largely doing that to you. And right. yes, there is stuff in history. Um, you know, there's an overhang from history, of course, especially in the USA. Um, but it's like people keep, keep people keep playing into it. You know, people get people getting manipulated into it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, here we we um, we don't understand sometimes the difference between racism and classism. Uh, mm. We seem to miss that mark a lot. Yep. Um. But you know, just like you were saying in Nigeria, I actually tried to uh, to attempt to explain uh, what was going on in Cameroon during mm-hmm. my race, right? And I was like, you know, the military's coming in; they're brutalizing and killing a lot of the village people. Blah mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. Do you know that somebody actually wrote on my tweet, "You're not running there. Stick to stick to America." I'm like, I'm I'm trying to tell
0: you,
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? I'm like. So I I was actually getting beat up (laughs) (laughs) for mentioning Cameroon. I'm like, no, you guys, you're not. You're missing the point here. You know, this is what's going on in other countries, and like you said, there's tribalism. Um, And I, I would talk about the fact that sometimes what we're dealing with is classism, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they don't see it. I always uh, refer back to an an MLK speech. Uh, It was a knock before midnight. And it was when the elites, or I guess you could say some of the elites, the elite blacks in the different churches um, and those that were, you know, very career oriented, high up, they were then taking advantage of those that weren't so elite, but they are black as well. Mm -hmm. And so he talked about how it was going to be, you know, greater and greater and the the balance would be greater as we went along. And that's kind of what you see in Baltimore City. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, the mayors have been black, city councils black um everyone in charge is black the state's attorney's black the police commissioner's black a lot of the police officers are black but they still talk about this white boogeyman Mm -hmm. then i'm like no everyone here now is black guys right (laughs) (laughs) so now we got to get past that what is Mm -hmm. the real issue and it's corruption uh but we never get to that point and we never get to that point of the conversation
1: yeah yeah uh how do you think how do you think, the, is, what do you think is the best way to address this? I mean, one thing I get criticized the most for, I don't really care about it, I don't mind criticism, but one thing I get criticized the most for, right, of course, being an, being an outsider, being as someone who's not from the USA, you know, I, it's funny, there are, a lot, there are thousands of Americans who love the fact that I share my view on some of the things going on in the US, and then there are also people who like, yeah, thank you, <laughs> and then there are also people who, who hate it and are like, you, you're not from here, you don't, you kind of don't have a right to speak on it, right? Um, but how do you think, again, How? what's the way, what's the way forward on this? It, it, sometimes it feels to me almost like, you know, it's something I've said before. I Sometimes I say human beings are divided because they want to be, right? And it does feel that way sometimes because on one hand, someone will be talking about unity and then two seconds later, they're throwing people into these little boxes with no nuance and they're, you know it's black people this and white people that and men this and women that and straight people that and lgbt that and it's just so it's just very it is just fragmenting everything and again it's something that seems it's not unique to the usa at all but one big difference i noticed between the uk and the and the usa and and i've i've spoken about this in a few podcasts is that it fascinates me that in the us people say Black American, white American, African American, Latino American, Asian American. In the UK, we just say British. Yeah. <laughs> right? So in the UK, you, you'll you'll never hear someone call me African British or even Black British. You yeah. won't hear them say Asian. Brit. Like everyone just says British. And it's such a small thing, but I think it's very revealing of the way like culturally and socially and politically – the two countries are quite are quite different. Um, in the USA, you hear people talk about the black vote. Yeah. In the UK, you've ne- I've never heard that term in the UK. I've never heard a politician say, oh, we're trying to win the black vote or we're trying to, <laughs> you know, uh, it, 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 it's really fascinating to me. So I'm yeah. just like, yeah, in the U- again, in the UK, there's more of a class. There's more of a class thing, perhaps, than yeah. there is a, a racial thing.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's what we do best here. <laughs> we do identity politics better than anybody. You know? um, unfortunately, you know, this is something, and this is something I see you usually push in the Democrat Party, but mm. Republicans, we get roped into saying the same thing yeah, because yeah. that's always the conversation, right? That's mm. what we, we hear all the time. And then we're like, Oh, wait, we can get the black vote, too. You know, so we're, mm. we're in that same bucket in a way, even though we, we truly don't want to be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's interesting that, you know, thank you for pointing that out. You know, I, I love that you give your opinion. I uh, love the <laughs> outside you. perspective. Um, yeah. This is what I got beat up for for all the time, you know, in my race. You know, they're like, well, you really want to help West Baltimore, but you're not from West Baltimore. Mm. I'm like, no, I'm not from West Baltimore. I am an outsider with an outside perspective saying, look, guys. This is what's going on here, clearly, because the rest of the state of Maryland has it together. Mm. Right. Uh For some reason, Baltimore City can't get it together. And we on the outside can give our perspective and say, look, this is what's going on. Whereas people on the inside are like, well, you're not from here. And I'm like, Mm. well, you guys have been on the inside your whole lives and you Mm. never got out. Right. And so to me, it's like, obviously, there's you need other perspectives uh, to come in and say, look, here's what's going on. Here's what we do differently over in Baltimore County. Mm. And in District 7, it encompasses Baltimore City, Baltimore County and Howard County. So, you know, all of these districts uh, have other counties within them. uh, But, you know, when it comes to Baltimore City, they are very tribal. They want you to be from From Baltimore City (laughs) or you have no, no. You know, you have no business representing <laughs> them all at all. So, yeah, we do that best here. I wish we didn't do it, but I don't, I don't yeah. know how we get out of it. I really don't. Because every time yeah. we bring it up, people are saying, well, that's how it should be. You know, mm. even right now, people talk about what's the black agenda? You know, yes. what's the black agenda? And I say, you know, we need an agenda for inner cities, for rural areas, because they're different. Right. Yes, Where yes. other people are like, well, no, you need a black agenda. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> look, if we're all winning, we're all winning. Right? Whether you're black, white, it doesn't matter. We need an agenda to make sure corruption stops so that we can make sure. um, and I tell people all the time, look at the the cities that are really failing, or the cities that lost a lot of manufacturing jobs. Mm -hmm. When manufacturing went overseas, and I thank NATO for this, when manufacturing went overseas, that is what hurt us the most. Baltimore City was a manufacturing powerhouse, Detroit was a manufacturing powerhouse, and these you know, all of those cities have been what hit the were hit the hardest. Mm -hmm. and you know everyone talks about white flight uh that was a thing but white people they you know exited the cities after manufacturing left and unfortunately Mm -hmm. a lot of black uh, residents weren't able to move right they couldn't afford to move and so yeah Mm -hmm. we can talk about white flight but we never talk about the route right i say all the time remember that uh i don't know if you saw the case with eric garner i can't breathe Uh,
1: yes 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 choked
2: in new york city Mm -hmm. well people talk about police brutality with that one and i'm like well look Let's talk about why the fact that he was choked and the police were called in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know, not being able to sell loose cigarettes in New York City is a Democrat policy. Yeah, that is why the police were called. I mean, can you not sell loose uh, cigarettes? I don't know why this is such a huge deal, but apparently it is. But that is why he was in that situation. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, it's you know, we never get to the root of the problem. We get very surface and then we always just stop when we get to the race.
1: Yes, yeah. I I think the, you know, there's there's an, an analogy I use for this. And I can understand I can understand why people kind of get annoyed if someone from like who's deemed an outsider is kind of commenting on their thing because people have an emotional attachment there. Mm-hmm. But the the analogy I also use is sometimes I think so if you imagine you have like a really big painting and you're standing like a foot away from it, then you can't see the painting properly, right? You're okay. just seeing like a part of it. But actually, if you take several steps back, then you can see the bigger picture. And I think actually sometimes the value of getting outside opinions and perspectives is because like I'm emotionally detached from Baltimore, right? Like I've, I haven't actually been there before. Um, I will definitely visit, but let
2: us get the crime down
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know like like my my only emotional attachment to it is on like a human level and like you know i don't want to see people getting stabbed shot murdered being homeless whatever in in any place right i don't want to see that anywhere but outside of that i'm not emotionally connected so i i when i look at it i don't i don't have a dog in the fight i'm just kind of like yo like what's going on here i mean when i went to the states in 2019 i went to 10 different cities i went to los angeles i went to san francisco when i was in those cities i was like i'd never seen homelessness and rampant drug abuse like i'd seen in those two cities in my life there's nothing like there's nothing like that in the uk there's nothing in the uk that rivals the homeless problem of la or san francisco so as an outsider i'm there like oh my gosh like what what's going on here isn't this like the most expensive city In the US, like, how have you got people injecting heroin and smoking crack in broad daylight on the street? I've never in my life seen that before. So I'm just there like, yo, this is this is this is crazy. Um, And then some people were like, yeah, well, you know, you're not from I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm not from here, which is like, (laughs) that's kind of the point. Like, this is not normal. You guys shouldn't accept (laughs) you. You should not be okay with this. You should not be okay with this. You can go to any UK city. Yes, you will see homeless people, but you won't see people shooting drugs on the street. Like that's yeah. just not—it's not tolerated. It's not acceptable. You can't just set up a camp, a tent city, wherever you want. Like we don't, we don't do that here. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, what I, what I did want to ask you about, though, because um, I know we've talked about problems, but what do you think are, are the solutions? So, for a city like Baltimore, or a city like Chicago, or some of these other inner city areas, what do you think are some real, tangible solutions?
2: Yeah, manufacturing. You know, this okay. is. This was like my, my number one thing, you know, talking about it in the race. We saw what was going on with the pandemic and the coronavirus, right? We saw that the billion dollar medical equipment industry was not in the United States. We have the best hospitals and the best doctors, but we had to wait uh, for, you know, whether it was uh, the PPE, right? Uh, I think there was uh, a couple of even GMs stepped up, opened up a couple of factories as fast as they could so they can uh, start making the masks. You know, they were they immediately we had to get in production and that is because we allowed manufacturing to leave uh, back in the 80s and the 90s. And which, again, I said devastated a lot of our cities. Mm -hmm. If we could bring manufacturing back and perhaps starting with the medical equipment industry, that would be amazing. Like, think about even right now, we're doing the vaccine. A lot of our syringes are coming in from other countries. Mm -hmm. Right. We should be have we should have uh, the ability to make our own syringes here. Um, you know, these are careers where you could do on-the-job career training uh, and get people to work and have them making good money immediately. Uh, right now, we even have a trucker shortage. You know, it doesn't take much to get your CDL license. This is something that I looked into. I was talking to different companies. You can get your CDL license. It's like $2,000 a person. Uh, they'll do the um, behind-the-wheel training. And those truckers go on to make sixty to $70,000 a year. We have a ton of space and, and manufacturing space uh, where we can put the warehouses. You know, we can line the trucks up right in Baltimore. Um, so basically, if we could just bring manufacturing back, we would kill it. We would yes. kill it. And we can get people trained easily. It would be effective. And then we can also, you know, complement some of the great hospitals that we have. We have Johns Hopkins right in Baltimore. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Why not have the medical equipment industry right in their backyard? It only just makes sense. And so for me, we now have the second largest port in the country. They dug out deeper, right? They dug it deeper where we now are in in the playing field. Uh, Before, I think it was just Connecticut. They have the submarines that come in. We Mm -hmm. now have the ability to bring submarines in, which also creates jobs. Mm -hmm. We can literally mimic what Connecticut is doing and bring Baltimore City right back. Um, They do stuff with wind energy off the side of their port as well. Um, you know, we talk about going green, right? Uh-huh. Another, another, another way, another way to do it. There, there's yeah. so many easy things to do and fixes, but it takes leadership to want to do these things, mm-hmm. right? It's going to take a little bit of investment. It's going to take, you know, getting investors in town and, and say, okay, here's what we can do. Here's what we offer. Here's how we can work alongside you to help get it done. We want to hire locals, right? We want to uh, train individuals uh-huh. that live here. There are so many people that want to work and have no opportunity to do so. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. And yeah. so that's my thing. We push manufacturing back to Baltimore City. Mm-hmm. It's over. It's a done deal, yeah. right? Yeah. Then we can really focus on our education system. We have 35 failing schools in Maryland. 23 of them are in Baltimore City. Oh, wow. We have the third highest per pupil spending in the country, right? Right mm. now, we're getting, I think it's like $16,000 a head or something. Okay. How could you get this much money and the kids are graduating unable to read or write?
1: What, why is that why, why is that happening, do you think?
2: Well, a lot of it is mismanagement of funds, right? Okay. The administrators, our, our CEO of our public schools, makes $375,000 a year. Kids can't read or write, <laughs> okay? Yep. You know, she just got a raise. It was three fifty. dollars There's issues here, right? A lot of the administrators make a ton of money. Um, A lot of the teachers are not happy. If they go through and talk to these teachers individually, they're not happy. You got the teachers union, right? They're calling all the shots. Uh, And then you still have teachers that are buying school supplies for their students in their classrooms. You got schools without heating, air conditioning. They still got lead pipes. They can't drink out of water fountains. It's unbelievable. And it's literally because of those that are managing the funds. They're terrible at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's it's such a shame you know and and what's really interesting is like those those proposed solutions and these ideas these are not you know in any traditional sense these are not even like shall we say left wing or things, yeah. right wing things right so like whether whether someone's more left leaning or more right leaning i i don't see why someone should oppose to those ideas or those proposals you know what i right. mean it's just like okay yeah we want better education we need more jobs we need more employment we don't want um you know we don't want everything being shipped off abroad with no i don't know with no checks and balances just because it's you know it's interesting and it's interesting to me because i'm very much like a, a free market capitalist but again on an on an international level i understand like okay look there are some areas and places that are dependent on certain jobs in manufacturing so you know having every having a country like the usa or the uk be like 80 percent reliant on china for like all of their all of their supplies it like is insane like it's obviously insane especially especially after the past year Right. right you know like that's where this whole thing starts and then people are relying on that same nation to get their medical products and their medical supplies and i'm just like oh my gosh this is like how like i don't even know the word to use i'm just like it's this is stupid. not this is stupid. stupid yeah i'm just like this is this <laughs> is, is not stupid. this is yeah i'm like and it's also it's almost like warfare it's like warfare without any bullets being fired you right. know what i mean it's almost like wow i mean i think in the last year the only large uh economy in the world that has grown is china right yeah and <laughs> right? i i just think it's it's amazing that like oh wow okay This is the epicenter of all of this. And then they're the ones who have ended up (laughs) coming out coming out all right on the other end, whilst the UK is still getting battered. The USA is still getting battered. And somehow everyone is blaming, people are blaming Trump. In the UK, people are blaming Boris Johnson, right? People are saying, oh my gosh, Trump is responsible for 400,000 dead Americans, which is so deeply dishonest and unfair. But again, people are emotional and irrational. And I'm just like, you're targeting your your aim at the wrong like just totally at the wrong place and you know i think a lot of people are terrified of china i think a lot of people don't want to say anything about china because they're just you know they're scared right they're cowardly about it and it's not even about it obviously this is not about like chinese people or the average citizen or whatever we're talking about the government right the government they know what they're doing they're hyper authoritarian we know there's all this shady stuff going on so it's it's remarkable how people are willing to kind of call out the british government or call out the american government or do all that but no one wants to be like uh like can we, can we talk about this like how did this whole thing start and, and yeah. by the way how how have they had the vaccine since july and how how were they totally open and the usa is still having all these deaths the uk is still having all these deaths meanwhile china with like 1.4 billion people apparently hasn't had a death since like september or so like yeah. I don't believe those numbers anyway, but I don't know. It's it's there are so many things in my head. I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, what 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 are we doing? Yeah. what are we doing?
2: No, it's it's wild, and and now with Biden in office, you know, they're they're rewinding and reversing yes. everything that Trump yes. has put in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just saw Dr. Fauci announced today that we are now re-engaging with um, who? WHO? To, of you know, it's Like I was like, wait a minute. What are we doing, right? And like That's I was like, so, so, so the people that took all of our money and then, and then it really kind of covered up what was going yeah. on, right? I was like, wait, what are we doing right now? And he said, oh, it's another great day. I was like, yep. shut up. Is this what we're about to do? <laughs> this is what we're about to do. And, and so there's so many people that are like, Dr. Fauci's a hero. And I'm yeah. like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's so wild to me that people just don't do their own due diligence and look at the facts, you know? Mm-hmm. When you look at the, the CDC, like you said, it was uh, wildly insane for us to say we have 400,000 deaths and then it's all on President Trump. Meanwhile, they, they admitted that the number was inflated, right? You could die in a car accident if you mm-hmm. test positive for COVID, mm-hmm. you died... Because of COVID. Yep, right. Yep. And, and so we don't really know those numbers, but mm-hmm. they are now admitting that. Yes. Um, but of course, that's after President Trump has already walked away.
1: Yep, of course. For I mean, I, I wasn't wasn't there something that came out that said 6% of the, I think that it was 6% of the deaths were like, purely due to coronavirus. As in yeah. people people well- who had no other. Yeah, um, that
2: came out. But of course, the media was like, that can't be true. <laughs> I'm,
1: like, yeah, it's, I'm like,
2: wait, do you trust the CDC or you don't? Like, I mean, yeah, what are we doing
1: now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's know? so bizarre. It's so yeah. bizarre. I mean, I, I, I could t- that that whole topic would be a whole would be a whole different hour. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Kim, what have you got? Uh, what have you got planned for this year and for the future? Are you going to be um, making another run for Congress or are you setting your sights elsewhere? What are you up to?
2: Yeah. So like, uh, you know, Red Renaissance is our pack. Like I said, recruiting candidates across the country. We're going to get that started, uh, like I said, next month. Uh, So February is our big launch, uh, because, of course, if we want to take back the House in 22, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to get get on it. Right. We got to get candidates going. Uh, We're hoping to meet people that, you know, wouldn't really run for office, but want to make a difference. Okay. Um, You know, we're not looking really for the politician type. We're not looking for those that are already involved with the establishment. We're looking for just new fresh faces that are just fed up with the way things are going mm. uh, with conservative values. Um, so that's going to take a lot of my time. Um, I'm also working on another project where we follow every federal dollar that comes into Baltimore City, which is my favorite. So they're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> every federal dollar. So okay. hopefully that helps fight the corruption. Um, and then people can see and, and finally see where this money is going and the things that I talked about during the race. Hopefully they can say, OK, that's what she meant. Mm-hmm. That's where the money's going. This is why we don't have this or that. So hopefully I can show that. Um, and then we're having redistricting done here. So uh, okay. that's great. Uh, unfortunately, I'm sure Maryland District 7 being a, a plus D30 district, it's not going to change too much. But at that time, I think we can really take a look at the map. And see, you know, do I run again in District 7 mm-hmm. uh, or do I run into another neighboring district that may be a little bit more friendly to a Republican, mm-hmm. but we could still do a lot of work in Baltimore. So I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, we left. I think we're at, what, a million eight in the bank. Okay. Um, so, of course, I'm going to do something. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're not going to touch that money. We're going to wait and see what happens. And, and hopefully I do run for office again. Uh, yeah. My lawyer said don't announce anything. So.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Kim, it's been it's been such an it's been such an honor to to talk to you. I I love what you're doing. I know that you inspire a lot of people. I know people over here in the UK who are big fans as well. So you're however many people you think you're reaching you're reaching and inspiring more than that.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I love it. You're very
1: welcome. And uh, before we go, where can people find out more about you online?
2: Yeah. So uh, of course, Twitter, Kim K Baltimore. If I still have followers left next week, that'd be great. (laughs) Um, And then of course, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Kimberly Clasic. And if they go to redrenaissance.com, you'll see our landing page and then it'll it'll take on its full page. I think it's February 8th. So that'll be a lot of fun.
1: Awesome. Kim Clasic. thanks for coming on The Real Talk with Zuby Show.
2: Thank you.
0: Sick with the slang. Sick and I'm destined for fame. fame. for the fam. Not for the grand. Stunt me for pain. Fame. I do not front. I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. Fame. Sick like a bang. Click a bang. Y'all gonna remember the name. Hey. Y'all gonna remember the name. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.